Welcome to Stories from Among the Stars. You're listening to A Memory Called Empire by Arkady Martin, narrated by Amy Landon. Chapter 18 All civilian off-planet transport cancelled. Inmost province spaceport closed. South Poplar spaceport operating at emergency cargo capacities only. Make alternate travel arrangements. This message repeats. Public news feeds. Day 251, Year 3, 11th Indictment of Sixth Direction. As I am, as you said, quite occupied with the business of keeping our station valuable, but not too valuable to a vast and mostly heartless imperium, you will have to continue excusing my absence. When it is more settled here, I will certainly enjoy taking a long and deserved vacation back home. But the point at which I could leave the constant development of political action at the Tixkalanli court alone for four months, at least, is relatively unimaginable just now. Forgive me for staying away. Do recall that if you need to contact me, you yourself provided private means. From a letter written from Ambassador Yaskandra Gavin to Daj Tarats, Counselor for the Miners, received on LaSalle Station, Day 203, Year 1 of the 10th Indictment of Sixth Direction. The first checkpoint between Belltown 6 and the Information Ministries building in Palace East woke Mahit from that state just beyond consciousness. All she wanted in the world was to sink back into the gray silence behind her eyelids. And until now, a perfect 15, 20 minutes, no one, not three seagrass nor the driver, nor even Yaskander in her mind, had pushed her awake. The voices and the lights at the checkpoint changed all of that. Blinking, she sat up. The ground car had slowed to a stop, and the driver had peeled down one of the windows. Outside, the air was lightening to dawn, a smear of gray pink, and something smelled of smoke, acrid. Low voices. The driver did something with his cloud hook, projected an identification sequence. Whoever was on the other side said, We can let you through on that permit, but you don't want to go. They're marching from the skyport and the citizenry is marching to meet them. You really don't want to do this. Yes, I do, Mahid thought, and didn't know if it was Yaskander's thought or her own. Yes, said Three Seagrass, we do. I have vital intelligence to report to my ministry, sir. The driver shrugged, expressively, as if to say, I'm just here to help. Through the opened window, Mahit heard a low thump, as if somewhere, not very far away at all, someone had set off a bomb. Fifteen engine, studded with shrapnel, blood leaking from his mouth, his blood like tears running down Mahit's face, and that noise, the hollow explosion noise. She swallowed hard. The window rolled up. They kept moving. Inside the ground car, it was difficult to see what they were driving through. All sound was muffled, and the windows were privacy-tinted dark. She kept thinking that she was hearing more of those sounds, the way that a bomb going off made a kind of collapse in the air. Did you know, she found herself saying, right out loud, bright and brittle and uncontrolled, that the worst thing on LaSalle, the absolute worst thing, 
is fire. Fire eats oxygen. Fire rises. Fire extinguisher drills are every other day. They start when we're two or three years old, whenever we're big enough to hold the extinguisher. Fire is bad, and explosives are worse. I don't know why there'd be bombings at all, Twelve Azalea said. This isn't. No one wants to hurt the city. It's about who gets to have the city, right? The ground car slowed again, but there was no halt at any checkpoint. Just a crawl, like they'd hit traffic. Make the windows transparent, Mahit said. Nothing happened. Three seagrasses' teeth were gritted very tightly. Mahit could see the tension in her jaw. Pedal, she said. It's the fleet. Bombing massed civilian uprisings is how the fleet works. You know that. And to the driver. Turn the opacity down, would you? This time, the driver did. Through the ground car's windows, smoky glass, paling to clear, what Mahit saw at first made very little sense. People didn't break things on the cell. Not property, not with cavalier abandon. The shell of a station was fragile, and if some part of the machinery of it snapped, people would die. Of breathing vacuum, of icy chill, of the hydroponic system shutting down. Casual vandalism on the cell was a matter of graffiti, elaborate hacks, blocking off hallways with the hull breach repair expanding foam canisters. But here in the streets of the city, she was watching a Takeskalanli woman, in a perfectly reasonable suit jacket and trousers, swing what looked like a metal pole into the window of a shop and shatter the glass there. Do that, walk onward, and do it again. Other people were running. They were in the streets, which was why the ground car had slowed so much. Some of them had the purple larkspur pins, and some of them had no identifactory marks at all to show their loyalties. And some were sunlit, gold and terrifying, and moving in sharp little triads, like scout ships diving gravityless through descending orbits. There was smoke in the air drifting in from over one heartbreakingly lovely, many-spired building. The ground car's driver had taken on an expression of grim and serene determination, pushing forward in spurts that made all of Mahit's inside slosh against her abdominal wall with every jerk of acceleration. I don't see legions, Twelve Azalea said, leaden. Three seagrass had crawled out of the back seat and into the front beside the driver. We're not close enough to the skyport. This is spillover. They heard the shouting. Two sets of shouting, back and forth, rhythmic and poetic, like the beating of a heart but out of time, not together, a heart in fibrillation, before they managed to get much farther. It was a wave of sound, punctuated at unpredictable moments by the thump of another explosion. The driver, seeing some openings that Mahit couldn't spot, floored the acceleration and shot the ground car around a corner. Mahit was thrown half into Twelve Azalea's lap. They raced down an alley, and then the street opened up, a blooming, easy roadway into a plaza. And there they were, two massed groups of Takeskalanlitzlam screaming at one another. The car stopped. There wasn't a way forward through that seething mass. Where the two groups touched, 
Violence erupted like fungal growths after a long, wet spring. Blood on the face of a woman with the larkspur pin tied to her arm like a mourning band. Blood from how she'd been punched. And the woman who'd punched her, so close to the ground car that Mahit could hear everything, shouted, For the emperor, one lightning! And smeared her bloodied hand across her forehead, like she was a person in a historical epic marking the sacrifice of her enemy. They didn't look like Teixkalan Litzlam, Mahid thought. Drifting thought, absurd, disconnected. They looked like people, just like people, tearing each other apart. There was another one of those terrible thuds of collapsing air, much closer this time, an answering bang from a group of sunlit who were abruptly surrounded by quick-spreading white smoke. The people fighting near them began to cough, ran away from the gas, uncaring which side of the street riot they were on. They ran right by the ground car, eyes streaming, red. Some of the gas began to seep in through the sealed doors, the windows. Fuck, said Three Seagrass. Cover your mouth with your shirt. That's crowd dispersal gas. We can't stay here. Mahit covered her mouth with her shirt. Her eyes burned, her throat burned. You need to get out of the core, Yaskander told her. She was suddenly calm, clear calm, poised, everything slow. Yaskander doing something to her adrenal glands. You need to get out of the core, and you need to go around this, and you need to do it now. Go, Mahit, I'll show you the way. We can't stay here, Mahit said out loud and opened the door. The white gas billowed in. Follow me. She couldn't breathe. The first breath she took was fire blazing in her lungs, and Yaskander said, just run, breathe later. So she ran, not knowing how she was running, not knowing how it was possible for her body to run, not knowing if anyone was following her at all. Yaskander seemed to know some secret path, some familiar pattern in the horrible swirl of blood and white smoke. And she saw for the first time a fleet-uniformed legionnaire, gray and gold, a squadron of them. Yaskander spun her, rotated her from the hip, a pivot, and raced her away at an angle. There were footsteps behind her, rapid ones, matching her pace. She looked back, three seagrass and twelve azalea. The driver, too. They skirted the edge of the plaza, raced down a street Mahit was sure she'd never seen. How many times did you come this way? She thought, through the pounding of her heart, the way she was gasping for air only when Yaskander thought she couldn't bear not to gasp. Enough times, I lived here, this is my home, was. After another two minutes, they slowed to a walk. Mahit was entirely sure she'd faint if Yaskander wasn't making her keep going. No one spoke. The sounds of the riot receded to a dim roar. They reached the demarcation of the palace from the rest of the city. No one guarded the tiny pathway they followed inside. No sunlit, and no mist, and no legions. Yaskander led them all onward, following muscle memory years old, and dead now. And then, like a curtain parting, they turned one last corner, and Mahit found herself in front of the information ministry, which looked entirely unscathed, a clean thing, out of a former world.
There, Iskander said, go in, sit down before you fall down. Everything looked so familiar. Two minutes of walking would get her to the entrance of the building containing her ambassadorial apartment. That is, if she could go there at all without the interference of the sunlit and their investigation. But all the tracery of the city's vast AI was lit up under the plaza tilework, as if the entire palace was a curled beast preparing to strike. I don't know how you did that, Three Seagrass said to Mihit. When we got into the car, you could hardly walk. I didn't, Mahit said. Not just me, not exactly. Are we going to go in? Her voice was a rag. Now that Yaskander wasn't controlling her breathing, she felt like she couldn't get enough air. Her chest heaved with each breath. Three Seagrass looked at their driver, who wore an expression of utter shock. A man undone a man in a world which no longer made sense. Are we? she asked. Yes, he said, and started for the door. Neither Mahit nor Three Seagrass put their feet on the traces on their way into the ministry building, even when it made walking awkward and strange. Inside, there was nothing but the clean and lovely spaces of a Tixkalanli ministry early in the morning. No sign of distress, Nothing amiss. Mahit found herself on the verge of tears and didn't know why. Three Seagrass's driver led them all into an innocuous, beige-shaded conference room, complete with a U-shaped table surrounding an infofiche projector, fluorescent lighting, and a plethora of moderately uncomfortable chairs. It was the least Tixkalanli room Mahit could remember being in since she'd arrived but she assumed that places where interminable everyday meetings occurred were much the same throughout the entire galaxy. She'd sat in rooms like this on LaSalle, in school and at government functions. She sat in this one now. Dimly, so very dimly through the thick ministry walls, she heard another explosion and then silence. Perhaps the riot had been dispersed. The legions were massing elsewhere closer to the skyport. The arrival of a carafe of coffee and a basket of some kind of bread rolls was not standard practice for conference rooms, but perhaps three seagrass had pulled some strings for them. The coffee was shockingly, blisteringly good. Hot, but not hot enough to scald. The paper cup warm in Mahit's palms. It had a rich, earthy taste that wasn't anything like the instant coffee on LaSalle, and in some better moment, Mahit thought she'd really like to drink it slowly enough to think about all the different qualities of the flavor. There are varieties, Iskander said, and they all taste different. It's fantastic. But the important part is the caffeine. He was right. Even in the few minutes Mahit had been drinking the coffee, she felt more present, more acute, conscious of a faint thrumming in her skin. Slow down a little. I may have exhausted your adrenal glands just then. It was close to being an apology. Twelve Azalea was on his second cup. Now what? He asked Three Seagrass pointedly. We wait for a debriefing. I thought we needed to be getting the ambassador to the emperor immediately, if that's even possible considering what's happening to the city outside. We, 
It hadn't been very long since she'd asked Twelve Azalea to help her steal Yaskander's Imigo machine from his corpse. And yet, after only such a little bit of time, here he was committed to at least a semblance of ideological unity with a barbarian. Then again, he had known where to find Five Portico and her anti-imperial activist friends. Ideological unity was flexible, mutable, under stress. Mahit looked at Three Seagrass, who was as under stress as she had ever seen her. Gray at the temples, a raw place on the side of her lip where she must have gnawed it open. We do, she said, but I owe the ministry some courtesy since they came to get us. They came to get us. They drove us through a riot. They brought us coffee and breakfast. The world functions as it ought to, and if I keep behaving as if it will continue to, nothing will go wrong. Mahit knew that line of thinking. She knew it intimately and horribly, and she sympathized. She sympathized too much. This was her essential problem, wasn't it? And Three Seagrass was still wrong. Mahit said, I don't think we have any time at all. The whole city is going to go up like an oxygen chamber with a spark fault. Three Seagrass made a noise surprisingly akin to a hissing steam valve, put her head in her hands and said, Just give me one minute to think, all right? Mahit figured one minute was within parameters. Probably. Maybe. Everything was very shimmery and surreal. She wondered what level of sleep debt she'd actually reached. There had been the 36 hours before she'd slept at 12 Azalea's apartment, and possibly being unconscious after brain surgery counted. It doesn't, said Yaskander. And that was all her Yaskander, the light, quick, bitter amusement of him, especially after getting through a riot like that. All right, Three Seagrass said. So Mahit looked at her, keeping her face perfectly Tixkalanli neutral, trying not to visibly need her liaison support as much as she actually did. Three Seagrass spread her hands, a helpless little gesture. I'm going to go ask to report directly to the Minister for Information. She is undoubtedly exceptionally busy just now, so we'll have an appointment. And we'll come back when that appointment is scheduled. She got to her feet. Don't go anywhere. Central desk is just down the hall on this floor. I'll be five minutes. It was an incredibly transparent ruse, but transparency had worked for them before. Transparency seemed to have its own gravity when placed alongside the Tixkalanli overcommitment to narrative. It bent the light. Mahit nodded to Three Seagrass, said, Try it, and followed that with, And don't worry about us going anywhere. Where would we go? Twelve Azalea and Yaskander laughed in simultaneous eerie echo. And then Three Seagrass was gone, slipped out the door like a seed skiff squirted from the side of a cruiser. They waited. Mahit felt naked without Three Seagrass, alone, more and more exposed the longer she was gone, especially as the time stretched from two minutes to five to ten. She could hardly feel anything but the low, anxious thrumming of her own heart, transmitted through her chest to weigh heavy on the spot just between the arcs of her ribs. Most of the peripheral neuropathy was gone, just the occasional shimmer in her fingertips, and she had suspicions that might be permanent, 
she didn't know how that made her feel. So far, she could still hold a stylus, even if she couldn't necessarily feel the pressure of it. If it got worse again. Later, when the door to the conference room reopened and three seagrass was there behind it, the release of tension was like being kicked. And then Mahit saw that she was not alone, and the person with her was not wearing information ministry white and orange at all but had a spray of purple flowers pinned to the collar of his deep blue jacket. It was fresh, live flowers cut within the last day. When all of 30 Larkspur's supporters had been wearing these at the oration contest, they had been fashion, amusements, takes Kalanli political signaling on symbolic channels. When they had been wearing them in the streets, it was a way to take sides in a war. Now this one looked like a badge of office, or of party loyalty. Sit down, said the newcomer to Three Seagrass, and gave her a push. Mahit was half out of her seat immediately, angry, gathering her breath to speak. But Three Seagrass sat down as she'd been told to. She was flushed across the face, furious, but she waved a hand at Mahit to subside, and she did. Ambassador, said their visitor, a secretim. I'm obliged to tell you that you will not be permitted to leave the ministry building at this time. Are we being arrested? Twelve Azalea asked. Certainly not. You are being detained for your own safety. I want, Twelve Azalea went on, strident, and Mahit was proud of him, sickeningly so, to speak to Minister Two Rosewood herself about this right now. And who are you anyway? Two Rosewood is no longer the Minister for Information, said this person, ignoring Twelve Azalea's request for his name or affiliation. She has been relieved of her duties during the current crisis by the Izwazwakat 30 Larkspur. I can convey to him your desire to speak to him, if you like. I'm sure he'll get to you, as his time allows. What? said Mahid. Do you have trouble with your hearing, Ambassador? With my credulity? said Mahid. There is nothing to be overly concerned about. You have just told us we cannot leave and that the minister has been deposed. There were questions as to her loyalties, said Thirty Larkspur's man, and he shrugged. Thirty Larkspur intends to keep the empire in safe and steady hands. There are legions in our streets, Ambassador. It is very dangerous to move about just now. Sit tight. Thirty Larkspur will take care of this, and it will all blow over within the week. Mahit had her doubts. Mahit had more doubts than she precisely knew what to do with. A proliferation of uncertainty, a sweeping tide of being sure that she'd missed something. Thirty Larkspur was executing, what? A coup in advance of one lightning's coup? It was possible she was already too late to do anything to turn the annexation force away from LaSalle. Whether she had tradable knowledge of impending external threat to Texcalan or not. At the oration contest, it had been 30 Larkspur himself, resplendent in blue and lilac, perfectly serene, who had told her that the deal was off. If he had gained control of the civil service, he, who was apparently willing to dismiss LaSalle the instant it wasn't useful to his plans, we cannot said Twelve Azalea, and Mahit was very grateful to him for saying anything that would get her out of her own mind.
stay in a conference room for a week, and I still don't know who you are, sir. I am Six Helicopter, said the man. Mahit stared at him and wondered when he'd learned to say his name with not only a straight face, but with that degree of smugness. And of course you won't be spending a week in a conference room as secretim, ambassador. You'll be moved to a safe and well-appointed location just as soon as we have got one to put you in. And that will be when, Twelve Azalea went on. He had perfected a sort of incredulous, high-pitched stridency, the voice of a person who was being inconvenienced and was going to make a scene about it. Distantly, Mahit found it admirable, strategic. She didn't interrupt him. By whose definition of safe? You're implying that there is an attempted usurpation occurring as we speak. The Yautlek's little adventure will be over long before you could call this unpleasantness an usurpation, said Six Helicopter. I have a great deal of work to do. I'll make sure someone brings you three more coffee. Please don't try to leave. You will be stopped at the door. This really is a safe place right now. Don't worry. And with that, he left. The door to the conference room clicked innocuously behind him. Three seagrass promptly and disturbingly broke into laughter. Did that actually just happen? She asked. Did some jumped-up bureaucrat without an inch of training and protocol just tell us that the information ministry is under the control of the Azwazwa Katlim? Because I think that was what just happened, and I am at a complete loss. Do forgive me, Mahit. This is not within my fucking portfolio of plausible scenarios that I might encounter while acting as cultural liaison to a foreign ambassador. If it helps, said Mahit, it isn't in my portfolio of plausible scenarios I might encounter as a foreign ambassador either. Three Seagrass pressed her palm over her face and exhaled, deliberate and forced. Stifled snickering still escaped from between her fingers. No, she said. I can't imagine it would be. If we can't leave, Twelve Azalea said, how are we going to get the ambassador to the emperor? Even just across the palace grounds, even if that riot doesn't spill over, in the best case scenario. And will there still be an emperor for me to get to once we're there? Mahid thought, and then had to bite the inside of her cheek against a rush of grief that mostly wasn't hers. It was Yaskander who felt that impending loss like heartbreak. Not her. Not entirely her. And yet she remembered the pressure of Six Direction's hands across her wrists and hoped, useless biochemical ache in her sternum, that his brilliance would somehow survive this insurrection, even if he wouldn't survive much longer than it. But who else could she bargain with? What if we aren't trying to get to his brilliance, she said. What if we were trying to get the attention of someone who could get us to him? From inside this conference room, said Twelve Azalea skeptically, gesturing toward the carafe of coffee. You know they're monitoring our cloud hooks, and you don't even have one. Yes, Mahid snapped. I am still aware that I am not a citizen of Takes Kalan. I have not forgotten even once. You don't have to remind me. That wasn't what I meant, 
Mahit exhaled hard enough that she could feel it in her surgical sight. No, but it is what you said. Three Seagrass had taken her hands away from her face, and the expression which was growing there was one that Mahit had seen before. It was Three Seagrass focusing inward, preparing to bend the universe around her will because all other options were untenable. It was the expression she'd worn when they'd eaten ice cream in the park before invading the judiciary. The expression she'd worn in 19 Ads' front office, determined to walk off physical insult and trauma. There are all kinds of things a person can do with a cloud hook, no matter how monitored, she said. Mahit, whose attention do you want? There was really only one answer to that question. Her Excellency, the Azwazwa Cat 19 adds, said Mahit. Her rank is the same as 30 Larkspurs, which means that she probably can walk right in here the same way he did. And I think she still likes me. She liked me, Yaskander murmured. She liked me very much, and she let me die. She liked you very much, and she saved my life, Mahid thought. Let's find out why, shall we? All right, 19 ads. She who terrifies me even after all the other terrifying events currently taking place said Three Seagrass. She'd become very cheerful in the time between having had an idea, whatever that idea would turn out to be, and announcing it. Mahit understood that, too. The power of having any sort of plan, no matter how absurd or impossible. And weren't all three of them rather emotionally labile, just recently? For Her Excellency, Mahit, how do you feel about writing some very pointed poetic verse, and posting it on the open news feeds. And you said I read too many political romances, Twelve Azalea muttered. I'm not going to leaflet Palace East to announce my endless love for the third judiciary underminister, Three Seagrass said, her eyes sparkling. That would be a political romance. This is a known poet posting her newest work in response to current events with an encoded statement in it. Do you often post poems on open news feeds? Mahit asked, fascinated. It's a little gauche, said Three Seagrass, but these are difficult times, and that exquisitely boring 14 Spire won the Imperial Oration Contest last week. Clearly anyone can be gauche and be feted in public. And you think that 19 ads will, what? Come get us if we appeal to her in verse? It was too clever to be practical. It was all takes Kalanli symbolic logic, and Mahit didn't trust it. I don't know what she'll do, said Three Seagrass, but I know she'll read it, and then she'll know where we are and what we need. You saw how her staff monitors the news feeds. 19 ads pays attention. That's the first thing in her ministry briefing file. Mahit caught her eyes, shoving away an entirely inappropriate impulse to reach out for her. Three Seagrass, she said, knowing she needed to find out how far Three Seagrass was prepared to go for her, if they set out down this trajectory. How wide is the Takeskalanli definition of we? You don't even know what I need to tell his brilliance. 
Are we a we here? I'm your liaison, Mahit, Three Seagrass said. She almost sounded hurt. Haven't I made that clear enough? This is more than you opening doors for me, Mahit told her. This is my goals in your words, on the public news feeds, in the public memory of Takes Kalan, forever. Sometimes I swear you could be one of us, Three Seagrass said, quite softly. She smiled a tremulous but credible stationer smile, all her visible teeth. Now, help me write this, won't you? I know you have at least a rudimentary sense of scansion, and we need to get this done before 30 Larkspur's man on the spot remembers we have cloud hooks. Then she did reach out to touch Mahit her fingertips like a ghost, rushing over her cheekbone. Mahit shivered helplessly and went very still, like she was waiting for a blow. Read, Twelve Azalea said, theatrically scandalized. Flirt on your own time. Mahit wished she wasn't pale enough that blushing was visible on her cheeks, telltale scarlet flushes and the heat burning there. We're not, she said, flirting. We're discussing strategies. You have been flirting with her since the morning you met, the Iskander commented, and Mahit wished profoundly that she could get him to shut up. At least when he'd been defective, he hadn't been able to be so revelatory in his commentary. We're writing poetry, Three Seagrass said, and managed by maintaining an expression of perfect serenity to make the activity sound profoundly intimate. And she has been flirting back, Iskander went on. When you're not in the middle of a coup attempt, you might want to do something about that. Mahit had written poetry in Tixkalanli before. She'd written it alone in her capsule room on La Salle, scribbling in notebooks at age 17, pretending she could imitate Pseudo-13 River or One Skyhook or any of the other great poets, framing her own unformed ideas in language that didn't belong to her twice over. She was too barbarian and too young. Now, sitting with her head bent next to three seagrasses, adjusting scansion and carefully selecting which classical allusions to foreground, she thought, poetry is for the desperate and for people who have grown old enough to have something to say. Grown old enough or lived through enough incomprehensible experiences. Perhaps she was old enough for poetry now. She had three lives inside her, and a death. When she wasn't careful, she remembered that death too much, her breath coming shorter and shorter, until she reminded Yaskander that he was neither dying now nor in charge of her autonomic nervous system. Three Seagrass, for her part, composed verse like putting on a tailored suit jacket, a process she knew how to make look good that made her look good in return. Her mental library of glyphs and illusions was vast, and Mahit envied it viciously. If only she'd been raised here, had spent her whole life immersed, she could turn phrases from pedestrian to resonant in a minute's work, too. The poem they'd come up with was not long. It couldn't be. It needed to move quickly through the open news feeds, be quotable and express itself clearly. 
clearly to the populace, and then in a more nuanced, layered fashion to 19 ads and her staff. Mahit had begun it with an image she knew Five Agate would recognize. Five Agate had been there. And Five Agate, clever and loyal and trained in interpretation, would know how desperate Mahit truly was and tell her Zwazwa cat everything. In the soft hands of a child, even a map of the stars can withstand forces that pull and crack. Gravity persists. Continuity persists. Uncalloused fingers walk orbital paths. But I am drowning in a sea of flowers, in violet foam, in the fog of war. To cartograph, in the library at dawn with his mother, playing with a map of a star system. The first signal. You know who I am, Five Agate. I am Mahit Desmar, who understood your love for your son and for your mistress. The second. I am under threat, and the threat is from 30 Larkspur. Flowers, violet foam. Fog of war was hardly an illusion. That was more of an inevitable and presently occurring truth, and besides, it fit Three Seagrass's scansion scheme. The rest of it was brief, an ekphrasis of the Information Ministry building, all of its architecture described in detail, imagined with garlands of larkspurs thrown over it like a funeral. That was an allusion to a section of the buildings, to tell 19 ads where they were. And then a promise in a single couplet. Released, my tongue will speak visions. Released, I am a spear in the hands of the sun. Come rescue us, 19 ads. Come rescue us and help us preserve the sun spear throne in its correct and proper orbit. Mahit looked over the poem one last time. It wasn't bad. To her eyes, and she knew she was untrained, it looked good looked effective and elegant. Send it, she said to Three Seagrass. I don't think we're going to do better in this limited amount of time. I'd send it now, Twelve Azalea added. I've been watching the news feeds while you've been working. This is getting very bad, very quickly. One Lightning's legions are shooting at the customs officials, claiming that the people need them in the city proper to quell the rioting. I don't know who is going to stop them. How do we stop a legion? Our legions are unstoppable. It's sent, Three Seagrass said, under my byline, on every open feed I can find, and a few of the closed ones, the poetry circles, one of the Information Ministry internal memo feeds. Is that a good idea? Mahit asked. Thirty Larkspur's people are reading that one, I'm almost sure. Thirty Larkspur's people will be monitoring our cloud hooks for any messages if they're even the slightest bit good at their jobs, Three Seagrass said. I would have confiscated them first thing. How useful that you're on our side and not theirs then, Mahid told her, and found herself smiling, despite everything. How long do you think we have? Twelve Azalea asked. Before the legions storm the palace, or before we no longer have a broadcast platform? Three Seagrass inquired, all too cheerfully. Stop watching the news, Petal, and come see how this poem spreads while I've still got access. She unhooked her cloud hook from its customary position over her right eye 
and put it on the conference table in front of them, changing its settings so that it acted as a very small infoscreen projector. Mahid watched the poem they'd written spread through the information network of Tix Kalan, shared from cloudhook to cloudhook, reposted and recontextualized like watching ink spreading in water. How much longer? She asked softly. I guess three minutes. This is moving quickly, Three Seagrass said. And then the door of the conference room flew open with a bang. Six helicopters stood there, and behind him were two more people. But his companions were dressed in information ministry cream and orange. Three Seagrass bowed over her fingertips at them. How lovely to see you, Three Lamplight, Eight Penknife, she said. How is your afternoon of being suborned by a non-ministry politician going? Helplessly, Mahit broke into laughter, even as three lamplight and eight penknife wordlessly took both twelve azaleas and three seagrasses cloud hooks and handed them to six helicopter. You realize, he was saying, that what you just did, sending unauthorized political poetry on the public feeds, might be construed as treasonous particularly considering where you were picked up and how Belltown 6 is full of anti-imperial protesters this morning, not to mention the rest of the mess in the city. Take it up with the judiciary, said Twelve Azalea. Mahit was proud of him. They were all going to die or something, and yet they were a we, by whatever language's definition. I have written political poetry appropriate to the current moment of my experience, said Three Seagrass. If that's treason, take it up with our 2,000 years of canon. I'm sure you'll find more treason there. Six Helicopter tried not to sputter, failed. With his hands full of cloud hooks, he couldn't gesture properly. But Mahit could see in the tension of his shoulders and his jaw how much he wanted to wave his hands or shake Three Seagrass who sat serene, with her chin cupped in her palms, elbows on the table. I am arresting you, he said finally. I am directing these information ministry officials to detain you as acting representative of acting minister 30 Larkspur. Bloody stars, Twelve Azalea said, ignoring six helicopter in favor of three lamplight, who had visibly winced. Are you two really going to do that? If you attempt to leave, you'll be stopped, Three Lamplight said. That much I guarantee, Eight Penknife added. And your privileges as a secretim are revoked until they might be reviewed by whoever becomes minister next. I'm terribly disappointed in you, Eight Penknife, said Three Seagrass, with an exquisite little sigh. You were always such a partisan of two Rosewood's policies. Enough, Six Helicopter snapped. We have work to do. You do not. A secretim, ambassador. He turned smartly on his heel and left, his information ministry loyalists following at his heels. They were alone in the conference room again, with nothing to do, nothing to see blinded without the cloud hooks and their news feeds, confined in windowless fluorescent lighting. Even the carafe of coffee was empty. Mahit looked at three seagrass and at twelve azalea, 
one on either side of her. And now, she said, with far more confidence than she felt, we wait. The waiting was not pleasant. Mahit had the sense of being inside a sealed capsule, protected from radiation and decay, but tumbling over and over in free space, with no guarantee that there would be an outside world to come back to once the capsule was cracked open. There was nothing to see in the Information Ministry's conference room. No noise from outside, no shouting of soldiers or marching of booted legionary feet, no flooded city streets glittering with the helmets of the sunlit, or a carpet of purple flowers. Three Seagrass had put her head down on the folded platform of her forearms on the table. Mahit didn't know if she was napping, or just trying not to think. Either way, she envied her. Not thinking was the province of other people. Not thinking was impossible, and she rather wanted to claw her own skin off. She kept imagining all of the reasons that 19 ads, as Wazwa Cat or not, wouldn't challenge 30 Larkspur for the sake of one LaSalle ambassador. The worst of those possibilities was that she and 30 Larkspur were already allies, and she'd merely go along with his decisions about the information ministry. The second worst would be if 19 ads had weighed the balance of power, seen that challenging 30 Larkspur had no chance of success, and opted to stay quiet and ride out the coup, no matter who won. She probably wouldn't do that second thing. It didn't seem like her. That certainty bubbled up in Mahit like a warm tide, not entirely hers, but a composite of Yaskander's memories and her own, making an evaluation. I feel like someone's cut off my hands, Twelve Azalea said into the dull silence. I keep reaching for the news feeds and they're not there. There's only me, not the whole empire ready at a touch. It is lonely, being Tixkalan Leedslam and without all of Tixkalan, Iskander whispered to Mihit. It is the one thing I do not envy, without a shred of regret. We are never alone, Mihit thought. You and I, never again in this life. Or the next. If there's a Tixkalanli ambassador after me. If there's a Tixkalanli ambassador after you, and our Imigo line is worth preserving for them. Mahit hoped, a small, leaden, heated ball in the pit of her stomach, that it would be. That something of this week of her, of her and Yaskander together, would not go to waste. That what she knew, now, the external threat to Tixkalan that she carried in her mind like her very own poison flower, the coordinates of massing alien ships, enough of an external threat to cancel any war of annexation, that it would not die with her and Yaskander, be silenced with her and Yaskander. Nevertheless, she hated the waiting. She could so easily imagine what was going on outside, a hundred different versions of it, assembled from epic poetry and terrible film and the contraband documentary footage of Takes Kalanli annexation wars on planets on the edge of known space. It wouldn't be different here in the heart of the Empire once they started shooting. It wouldn't be different at all. That was the problem. Empire was Empire, the part that seduced and the part that clamped down 
jaws like a vice, and shook a planet until its neck was broken, and it died. The first Mahit knew of the end of that long, terrible abeyance of time, drifting formless in the blank, unchanging light of the conference room, was a commotion down the hallway. Shouting voices, the sound of a door slamming, a pause, and then a great clatter, as if everything on a desk had been swept onto the floor. Do you think, Three Seagrass was saying, getting to her feet. Even if it's not for us, it's something, Mahit said. Something is better than waiting, let's go see. We're arrested, Twelve Azalea mentioned, offhand reminder. But fuck it, let's unarrest ourselves. Mahit laughed. Inside her skull, behind the endless ache of the surgical site and the pulse of her blood in her damaged hand, the shimmer of damaged nerves and the endless sour ache in her hip, she almost felt good. Adrenaline is a hell of a drug, Mahit, Iskander said. Let's take advantage while we can. Outside the conference room, they hadn't even locked it, which felt simultaneously insulting, and like Mahit had been a willing participant in her own incarceration, a tiny flare of guilt. And halfway down the hallway leading to the exit, there was a central information desk, staffed by what looked like three lamplight, by the height and the haircut. It was this desk whose contents had just been pitched onto the floor, a scatter of infofiche sticks and office paraphernalia, and the destroyer of this small harmony, resplendent in white and, oh, Mahit would never get over how much she loved the symbolic valence of everything that Tixkalan Litzlam did, however utterly contrived. White, because it was 19 Ads's signature, was Five Agate, 19 Ads's best aide and favored student. Her plain face was serene and cold, and she carried in her hand a shock stick, a slim metal rod crackling with electric energy. Behind her was another takes Kalan Leedslam in pure white, whom Mahit had not seen before, and he carried the same weaponry. It was a cavalry, of sorts, a cavalry in livery, not a single purple spray of flowers amongst them. And it was specifically five agate come to find them, which meant that 19 ads might have understood what Mahit and three seagrass had been trying to say with their poetry. I see them now, Five Agate said, her voice sharp and ringing. Those three, come over here, Ambassador. The Azwazwa Cat 19 adds, recognizes that your claim of sanctuary with her has not ended. They never claimed formal sanctuary, Three Lamplight began. That won't stand up for a moment in the judiciary. Neither will Thirty Larkspur's palace intrigue, Five Agate snapped. So we're even. I don't want to cause an incident, let them come here. Mahit began walking down the corridor, three seagrass and twelve azalea flanking her. For a moment, she thought that they would make it, that they would be safe in five agates' hands with absolutely no problems, nineteen adzes' soft power unsheathed. And then six helicopter burst out of an office behind them, farther down the hall, back the way they'd come. Mahit stopped dead, turned to stare at him, Instead of a shock stick, like five agates, in his hand was what Mahit recognized with icy horror as a projectile weapon, 
outlawed on the cell, those things could cause a hull breach. And he was shouting. Mahit froze, trapped between six helicopter and five agate mid-escape. Don't you fucking dare! Like fuck, you jumped-up demagogues are going to get to do whatever you want. There's legions in the streets. You can't do this anymore. You have got to listen to law and order. Inside the horror, Mahit almost found it ridiculous. This petty little man, so angry at losing what little power he'd managed to acquire. Calmly, Five Agate raised her shock stick, blue-green energy crackling at its end, and began to walk toward Six Helicopter. The report of the projectile weapon going off was louder than any noise Mahit could remember. There was a scream to her left, short and sharp, and then more bangs, a series of them in a row. She was running down the hallway toward Five Agate without having decided to run, all of her paralysis broken. Three lamplight had ducked out of view behind the desk, and Five Agate's support staff was advancing past it, his shock stick glittering. Another shot, and a bloom of red on Five Agate's upper arm, spreading in threads, the red pooling in the white of her tunic. Her face gone ice pale. The sound of her shock stick hitting the floor, crackling electricity. Mahit kept running. She reached where Five Agate was, still standing in perfect serenity, as if in shock. Grabbed for her other arm, the one that wasn't bleeding, and pulled her after her. How many projectiles are in that thing? Enough, Iskander in her mind, a tight presence. Enough to kill you. Keep running, don't look back. Mahit looked back. Three seagrass was on her heels, right at her shoulder as she always was. But twelve azalea was not. Was a tumbled pile in the hallway, unmoving, bright blood pooling around him. Five Agate's white-clad attendant shoved his shock stick directly against Six Helicopter's open mouth. Blue fire went through his skull. There was another report from the projectile weapon. A hole opened up in the attendant's gut like the staring eye of a singularity. Run! Three Seagrass screamed. And so Mahit did. She ran, one hand clenched around Five Agate's arm, until she had run right out of the information ministry and into the street. That's all for now. Thank you for listening. Make sure to follow Stories from Among the Stars on your preferred podcast app to get the next episode. Or if you just can't wait, you can buy the audiobook of A Memory Called Empire wherever books or audiobooks are sold. We hope you're enjoying this season. Please tell us what you think by filling out a quick survey with your feedback. Just go to bit.ly slash surveys from among the stars. That's bit.ly slash surveys from among the stars. Thank you.